Welcome to Rebuilding. This podcast is designed to help the church rebuild its walls one person at a time. For more information, check us out at www.piercepoint.org. Let's start in Acts 2, verses 40 through 47. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals to get together with gladness and sincerity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Last week, Nathan talked about the pattern and the form and the habits that had been adopted by the early church. And his, he focused in on the, devo- the devotion to the apostles' teaching. Today, we want to focus in on the fellowship that's mentioned in verse 42 of Acts 2. Now, I'm going to admit to you that this is a challenging subject. Uh, To be able to explain a very nebulous concept like fellowship is like trying to tell you what love and hate is. We kind of know what they look like. We can show some examples of both. But how does it come? How can we get those who want true, how can we get true biblical fellowship? What does that mean? Some of the confusion comes as a result of the culture that we live in. Now, I don't want to blame everything on our culture. It's up to you whether you accept the culture of the world or you don't. But some confusion can be had if you do. The world that we live in has many, many forms of fellowship. There are academic fellowships. There are fellowships in different fields of study. There's the arts, the medicine, fit construction fellowships, space exploration. There's rocket science fellowship if you want to join up for that one. There is a fellowship for those that love Star Wars. Can you believe that? I'm in that. No, I'm not. not. And yes, there is even a fellowship for those that love Lord of the Rings. I know, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know you'll find that hard to believe. I did. I don't know anybody that's, well, maybe one guy that's in it. Some of these fellowships are not necessarily good or bad. 
some are weird, uh, Lord of the Rings, <coughs> but, they in our, <laughs> but they are not inherently good or bad. You can actually go through your entire life without any of those fellowships. You can. You can actually go through your, you don't have to join any of them. But if you're a believer and trust God and you believe that he sent his son to redeem us, to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God, if you believe that, there is a fellowship that, that, that you have to be a part of. It's a must. It's not optional. That fellowship is the one I want to talk about today. So we just read in Acts 2 that the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, we can grasp the concept of de devotion to the apostles' teaching. We can understand what breaking of bread is. We can even get a picture in our mind of what it means to be devoted to prayer. But fellowship? What does that look like? What do we know about it? Do we know anything about it? Why is it important? These are all questions that ran through my head. What is required of me? How do we join? Who's in charge of it? <laughs> and do we have a sign-up sheet outside that has, so we can sign up for it? All of those things come to my mind as I think about fellowship. What does it mean to have true biblical fellowship? I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John 1. And we're going to start to get a picture, an understanding, a little bit of a guideline as to what biblical fellowship is. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, and we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, it sounds like he kind of knew what he was talking about there, that he'd actually experienced something that was real and concrete. He says that we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, man, it's concrete, isn't it? That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Hmm. So there is some concrete things about fellowship that we can understand. I think that, that if, we, if we think it is that nebulous, ethereal thing that nobody knows what it is, and so many spiritual things are, seem to be that way, we're never going to have it. Never going to have it. So there are many views of fellowship. Many, many views of it. Uh, we need to define what it is. We need to understand what it is. Not just, uh, it's important to note that while we're, we're going to define what the makeup of the words are, that the practical application always, always, always has to come from God's Word. Has to. We can say we know what it is, but if we don't live it out in our lives, 
It's not a biblical concept, right? We can know it, but not do it. So, according to the, now, we're going we're gonna to start with a secular dictionary. According to Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary, the word fellowship means companionship. It means company, associate. They even put some blurbs in there. I thought this was cool. The community of interest, activity, feeling, or experience. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of get that. We can almost kind of adopt that. Sounds pretty good, right? A unified body of people of equal rank sharing in common interests, goals, and, character, and characteristics. Wow. A partnership, a membership. Now, they said that partnership and membership was an obsolete usage of the term. I'm not so sure they're right about that. Be very careful if, if, uh, if our dictionaries start to say that definitions of word are obsolete. <laughs> Be very careful of that. Not too bad for a secular dictionary, though, right? It starts to give you some concepts, some thoughts about what fellowship is. However, these definitions from Webster's are inadequate to help us understand what we just read in 1 John. They're not going to help you understand it. To be true to the context of Scripture, we must hold to the definitions of the original writers. This is important. It can't be more than they thought it was, but it can't be less than they thought it was. So, with that in mind, let's look at the two Greek words, root words. We're going to start with two root words that make up the biblical definition of fellowship. So, the first root word is koinos. Everybody's kind of heard that word. You kind of know what it means. It means common, common. And from that word, there's a a word that's derived that is more akin to a biblical fellowship understanding, koinonia. There are two main ideas with this word. To share together, to take part together. And then it says in the sense of partnership or participation. To share with, in the sense of giving to others. Now we're getting to a little better understanding, a little better understanding. The second root word is one that you may not have had so much experience with or you may not have uh, heard or looked at or seen if you've studied this out. It, that, that is another Greek word, metosos. It's a cool word, isn't it? Metosos. Metosos. I, I like that word. <clears throat> it, it means to have. The, this is where we get our word meta. You've heard the uh, meta. Nathan used that term a lot when we were doing, do you, uh, do you remember the story that we, were, that, that we ran through here a couple of three years ago? There was a meta narrative. It means that it was a narrative about the narrative. That's what meta means. If I were to give you a book about books, that would be a meta book. So, Uh, So the word is to have with or to have together. It is something about something. That same thing about the same thing. Clear as mud? So far so good, right? Meta. That's where we get the word from metosos, we get our word meta. And for those of you (laughs) that are gamers in here, Sean, (laughs) meta in the gaming world we, it is, does not mean the most effective tactic available. That's not what it means, y'all, just so you're aware. So, 
Metosos is the root word. The word that's derived is another Greek word from that. Now, stick with me, okay? There's a lot of Greek words, and I'm going somewhere with all this. The, the root word is metosos, but the word that's derived is metoshe. Metoshe. And it, it is, it's an important word because it goes a little further and, and, and gives us a better understanding. It means a sharing, a fellowship, a partnership. The basic idea is to have together. Matoshe. So what about this Christian fellowship, according to the Word of God, and the words for fellowship as they're used in the New Testament? I'm going to ask you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul uses both of these words. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 14. Paul says this. This is a very interesting scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership, matoshe was the word that he used, what partnership has righteousness to do with lawlessness? Or what fellowship, koinonia, has light with darkness. What accord has Christ with Belial? And Belial is simply a note. There are Hebrew scholars that say that it, it just means worthless or lawless one. Paul in this context is using it to describe Satan. What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? In this verse, in these verses, Paul used the word partnership, metoshe, and the word fellowship, koinonia. So, so it, we, we start to get a better understanding of the concept of biblical fellowship. We... Uh, First things first, let me just, let me kind of throw something out there to you. I have heard those verses or that verse uh, talked about don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I, I have heard these many times. I have used these many times as it relates to the fact that you shouldn't marry an unbeliever. <laughs> and, and while that's probably good advice, that's not the context of those verses, uh, Paul is defending his ministry there. you got to read the whole story that, that he's talking about. Paul is defending his ministry and his authority as an apostle. So the church at Corinth had a lot of issues, a lot of issues. That, and Paul was starting to address all of these issues. In these verses and the surrounding chapters, Paul is warning the Corinthians. Now, hear this. He's warning the Corinthians about those that were trying to discredit him, and, and these folks were also trying to lure those folks in that church back to their old ways before they knew Christ. Hmm. That's an interesting, interesting thing that Paul is saying. Don't have fellowship with these people. Paul doesn't even mention marriage. He is saying, stop joining your hearts to these men who are teaching you false things and leading you away from Christ. As, as they were listening to these men 
and followed them, they were joining in with those false teachers and their work. They were having fellowship with them. This is the context of what Paul is saying in those verses. Because of our relationship with Christ, there can, now hear me on this, there can be no legitimate fellowship with the world, and I'm going to explain that, doesn't mean you're going to, you shun every unbeliever, but there can be no legitimate relationship or fellowship with the world, demonism, idolatry, or anything that is contrary to Christ and our relationship with Him. You cannot have fellowship with something that takes you away from what Christ is to you. Thank you for saying amen, Nathan. (laughs) Now, does that mean that you shouldn't associate with unbelievers? Does it mean that? Does any do you well, thankfully, Paul Paul talked about that too. So I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 5. And we're going to be at starting with verse 9. Paul is, Paul is addressing the, the church about a man who is within the church. So I'm giving you context. He's talking about a man that's in the church who is in a relationship with his father's wife, his stepmother. During his instruction to them, he talks about the question of associating with unbelievers. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 9. Paul says this, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or the idolaters. For then, you would have to go out of the world. Paul's pretty straightforward in that, right? If you don't associate with these people, you're going to have to be out of this world. He says, but actually, I wrote to you, (laughs) this is hard stuff. I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person, if he is covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not to even eat with such a one. It's Paul's words. For what have I do what what, ha, what what have I to do with judging outsiders, Paul says. So he's not talking about Stay away from the world when they're doing all these things. He said, do you not judge those who are within the church? Not very often we don't. But those who are outside, God judges, right? Is that not right? Can I get an amen? <laughs> Thank you. And, and Paul goes on to say, it's tough stuff, guys. Remove this. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. He didn't want him to be in fellowship with these people. Do you you see why? Anything that draws you away from Christ, don't be in fellowship with it. Don't. So, moving. I told you this was a, a challenging subject. Paul is clear in the text. He says the church would have to go out of the world to not associate with unbelievers. So that is not what we're talking about. We are on mission to the world. How can you be on mission to the world if you don't go out in the world and associate with people? Mission to the world. We, we will definitely need to associate with the world. But being on mission to the world is kind of like mowing your grass. 
How so? Boy, that, Barney, that's an odd, odd analogy. I can, if I get out there and I stand in front of my lawnmower and I put gas in it and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to mow this yard, put gas in it, stand out there and sit down in the chair, the lawn chair, I've got to believe these nice lounger things, and say, I think I'm going to mow the yard. But I never start up the mower. I never get going and mow the yard. I've not mowed the yard. So if, you don't, if I don't intentionally start the mower and get out there and start mowing, I'm not mowing the yard. If you are on mission to the world, and you are, if you're a believer, you're on mission to the world, if you don't get out there and be intentional about telling them about Christ, you're not telling them about Christ. You're not on mission to the world if you're not on mission to the world. It means something. It is defined by doing it. Okay. Good so far? Okay. <clears throat> Paul is clear in this. So what is Christian biblical fellowship and why is it so important? The first thing we need to note is that it cannot exist in darkness. It cannot. Let's go back to 1 John and we're going to read uh, we're back to 1 John chapter 1 and we're going to finish those verses 5 through 7. 1 John 1, 5 through 7. John says this, this is the, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. Uh, to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Nathan, why did you have, want me, have to make me do this? For this, <laughs> this very reason. <laughs> oh, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have koinonia, fellowship, with one another, each other, each other, right? And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want to have that kind of fellowship. I really, really do. I want to be on, I want to be on mission to the world, but I, I, I need that kind of fellowship. Don't you? Don't you need that? Don't you need people who who believe and act and are, and are grateful for the same things that you're grateful for, that God sent his son to die for us. We need that. We need people that understand that. True fellowship with God is based on the truth that God has revealed about his son. True Christian fellowship must always be about walking in the light. It is limited to light and those who are in the light. True Biblical Christian fellowship. I didn't say fellowship. True biblical Christian fellowship. It is about light. It's limited to light. It is about those who are in the light. The mystery and privilege that a Christian fellowship that exists in it is because God has enabled it by His grace. Those who believe his word are united in the spirit through Christ to the Father, and that unity is the basis of our fellowship. That unity. Why? So why is fellowship so important? Do I have to be a part of the church? I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, right? 
I can listen to hundreds, even thousands of sermons on YouTube. There's some good preachers on YouTube. He is on there. Thank you, Mike. That's a, a shameless plug, and he will pay you in a little bit for that. <laughs> You'll get your pay after the service. <clears throat> Hundreds, even thousands of sermons on YouTube. I have a virtual pastor. I get, you know what I like about it? I can turn them off anytime I want to. <laughs> I can skip over the parts of the sermon that I don't like. Oh, man, he's great. I love him. <laughs> I can skip over things like loving my neighbor, giving to the poor, loving my wife like Christ loved church. I can just skip right over that stuff. I don't have to hear that. That's my virtual pastor. Man, he's awesome. I'll bet, you know what? I'll bet there's even a way to do a virtual communion. <laughs> oh. How about that virtual baptism, mate? <laughs> okay, maybe I do need a church. So what is the big deal about being a part of a church? What is the, what's, what's important about that? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 14. For the body is not, one, is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I am not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this, for this reason any the less a part of that body. Do you hear what he's saying? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. The first reason that you need to be a part of a church, that you need to you, you need to be a part of a church <laughs> is because first, it's desired by God. It's desired. And then, without the fellowship of the church, I'm going to think that I can get around on uh, being an ear. I can just listen. I don't need anything else. That's wrong. <laughs> Believe it or not, you need each other. I need you. I need you. Being a part of a church and a fellowship of that church is an important piece. Don't miss it. We actually need each other. We're going to turn again in the Bible. Questions or comments so far? <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 23 through 25, and then we'll have that virtual communion. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's another good reason that you need to associate with, your Christ, with, with Christian brothers and sisters. You need that encouragement. You need to be able to associate with them. You need to partake of God with them. Fellowship means being a part of a group. And it's a group of believers who believe in light. They don't, they don't, they don't associate with darkness. It's opposed to isolation. It is opposed to the, the, the solitude and the loneliness and the individualism that our current world says is you need to be an individual. You need to be on your own. It's opposed to that. We need each other. How can we spur one another to love and good deeds if I don't ever see you? If I don't, can I shoot you a text? Yeah, I can. But you need to see me and I need to see you. There will be times when you and I need to hear encouragement from others within the body of the fellowship. We're going to need that. If you haven't experienced a time that you need that, it's coming. Believe me, it's coming. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ. I need you guys and you need us. What about activities? And I'm, I'm going to hurry along. What about activities outside of the church? Can you have fellowship in that context? Back to Hebrews again. Chapter 3, starting at verse 12. Hebrews 3, 12. Take care, take care brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Day after day. Now, does that mean we can encourage each other every single day? We would almost have to see each other every day, wouldn't we? Now, that's what the Scripture says. That's what Acts says, that those 3,000 that were saved, I, I, I don't know that we can literally take that they saw each other every single day. But I can tell you this is the times that you have opportunity to be with your Christian brothers and sisters, whether it's in this church or out of this church, and you don't take that, you are missing out on some encouragement. You are missing out on some love, some, some things that they can help you with. We need each other day after day. Now, obviously, you can, if, if you can't be with someone day after day, if you want to encourage someone every day, Send them a text. Send them an email. We, we have to be intentional about this, but we should strive to do exactly what the Scripture says here. 
Now, this encouragement can come in many forms. I've, you know, what I've, you can text on these things, and you see how much time I got left? I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I'm not going to make it. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm not going to make it. I'll, 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 I'll quickly, quickly wrap up. You can actually call people on these too. It doesn't have to be a text message. It's so weird. You can actually hear their voice. Really weird. <laughs> I just lear- learned that, Nathan. I, yeah. yeah, you can actually call somebody on those things. So absent of being able to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you want to send them a text or call them, that's great. Do it. The point is, is that you have to, we have to be a part of a fellowship. It's important. It's important. Just this week, Nathan and I, Tuesday morning, we went to a prayer breakfast that Bob Briggs has helped to organize. And in that prayer breakfast, guess what we did? Great breakfast. Oh, man. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to start over. We actually prayed. We did. We had fellowship, didn't we, Bob? And we prayed, and we did eat breakfast. We did eat breakfast at the IHOP. And let let me just throw a plug in for that. It's every Tuesday morning at 6.30 a.m. at the IHOP in Anderson. So if you want to go to that, that's great. That is awesome. And, Bob, thank you for doing something that's actually biblical and doing it that way. So so we, we can have biblical fellowship. So uh, there, there are tasks that get done if we hang out with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm talking about things that you can do outside of the church. But this relationship must be on the basis of Christian fellowship. It has to be about light. We can have friendships with unbelievers, we, but true Christian fellowship can only occur within the body of Christ. Did you know that? We are united by one another, by, to one another by common goals, beliefs, and purposes. The importance of true Christian fellowship is that it reinforces those things in our mind and helps us to focus on Christ and His desire. Like that iron sharpening iron. It, it, from, I'm, I'm from Tennessee. That's iron. That is, it's iron. <laughs> Iron sharpens iron. True Christian fellowship will will sharpen one another's faith. Will stir one another to good works. You may be sitting here today and thinking, all that sounds really good, Barney. But I'm not I'm not connected to anyone. I, I don't I don't know that I hang out with any any of the folks here. I come to church, I give, but I'm not experiencing fellowship like you've described. I come and I just go home. Let me, uh, let me encourage you to do something if, if you're here and you're in that spot. Not everyone is, is outgoing. Not everyone will walk up and say, hey, my name is... Joe Blow, and I'm, I'm, you know, I want to ask you how you are. Not everyone does that. <clears throat> there may be some here that may not do that well. If you do that well, and I'm telling you, Sean's wife, Amanda Dick, does it very well. 
I, I, I would encourage you to go to people and say, hey, my name is Barney. What's your name? I'm glad you're here. And tell them about some ways that they can be involved, at least while they're here. And then it would be great if you told them about some of the other things that go on in this church. You know, I think, I really believe that this church is good at doing that. I believe that. I see you guys doing it. I know that you're doing it, that, that you're doing it. And if you're one of those folks that say, I'm not, I'm just not that kind of a person. That's okay. That's okay. But I would encourage you to reach out to myself, to Mark, to Nathan, and, and let us help you. Let, let us show you some of the, the things that you can become involved in in this church that you may not see on a Sunday morning. Everything this church do, th does doesn't just happen here on Sunday morning, right? And many of you know that. Many of you are involved in things. So I would encourage you to get involved in, in some things. So on, so Mark talked about on February the 2nd, Sunday, February the 2nd, we'll be holding a newcomer's meet and greet. If any of you are new, or if you're not new, and you just want to hang out with us and you want to uh, talk about what the church is about, fellowship, you want to ask Nathan why he's letting his beard grow, you want to, if you're, if you're not, if you're not uh, new and you just want to kind of hang after the service, so on February the 2nd, Sunday, February the 2nd, right after the service, we're going to have pizza and pop and we're going to fellowship and we're going to, any newcomer that wants to know something about this church, I, I would encourage you to stay and talk to the leadership of this church, and find out what we're about. So, mark that down, February 2nd. The last thing I want to talk to you about, and, and I, I, I have not answered all, all of the questions about fellowship. I have not. It, it, is, it is extensive. I'd have to be here till somebody falls out and dies, Nathan, <laughs> to bring it all up. So, so, uh, and we'll talk more about this, but let me read something to you. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 9 and 10. God is faithful by whom you were called into, into the fellowship of his Son. His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I plead with you, brethren. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together, that you have that matoshe koinonia, perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same, the same judgment. The only way that can happen is if you're in fellowship with God. Thanks so much for listening to Rebuilding from Pierce Point Community Church. We hope that today's podcast will help you become a more connected part of Christ's body. Remember to check out our website at piercepoint.org for more information.